2: I am Lindsay Levinson, and I am your host at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. So welcome. We're on the Variety Channel at voiceamerica.com, and I'm really glad you tuned in today. It's our fourth show, so I'm always going to be interested in how you're feeling about it, what you think about the show, if this subject matter is feeling relevant to you. Today we do have subject matter that's really vital and spans globally, and it is very relevant in the corporate workplace. I mean, that's what we're talking about today is corporate America. And when I say that, I really mean any job that you're employed in. So it's it doesn't have to be fancy schmancy. It's just any kind of work environment that you are facing. Our guest is on the line. I'll introduce her in just a little bit, Karen Sweet, but we'll talk about that in a minute. I want to give you emails, which is Lindsay, that's the L-I-N-Z-I, 244 at sbcglobal.net. Please follow us on Facebook. You've been doing fantastic. And so I totally appreciate that. And that's Illuminating Now. And Twitter is the at sign Illuminating Now. There will be a Lindsay's Life Secret. So there might be a couple, but I promise you at the end of the show, we're going to close up with some interesting and sort of new age pioneered thinking. So I'd love you to stay tuned and stay with us. And we're tight for time on this. There's a lot of information. This is such an important subject that people are facing in a good economy or a bad economy. Um, So we're going to skip calls. We're going to do what we did um, on the first show, default to email. But please feel free to do that. And you can comment along the way in other addresses I've given as well. This show is about taking a close look at vital issues that we all go through in life. And now we've talked about that, anything in life. So remember, you can talk about anything. But in this particular show, I'll give you a little bit of background just that touches on a foundation for why we're talking about this. I do have my master's in counseling psychology, but the more important thing is I chose to delve into a PhD program, which was organizational psychology. So that's business and wellness. It can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, especially in a PhD program, however you want to come up with new ideas. But stepping away from that for a a minute, when I used to be a business strategist in the corporate world, which was before uh, the coaching part of my life, I saw so many ways that employees could be treated better. I saw a lot of ways they were not treated well. And politics at work um, really could create legitimate harm. And I, I'll put politics at work in some quotes, you know. Picture my fingers making those quote marks. And the reason is because what is politics at work? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to anyone? What is the definition? But you, you know it, right? You know it if it's happening in your workplace. And somehow you know if it's harming you. And bullies are often bosses. And this is dangerous. And then being an, an executive director myself, I found that I was forced to choose between doing the right ethical fair thing or maybe just be quiet and follow management I could keep my job that way I'll never forget a line that people my management (laughs) above me which were c-level players they were the you know they were the high-level folks that I would go in and fight particularly I remember times for my team members you know hey this person earned the achievers club this person gets that bonus this person it doesn't have to do that part of the job, you know, whatever the things are I might fight for. And and I would fight, I say that word because I, I didn't give up easily. If it was non-just, unjust, just I, I didn't feel it was fair. So I would keep on, you know, putting myself in the ring. But I got the one line that I always remember, and it was just, Lindsay, you're either with management or you're not. And I think we all understood what that means. <laughs> you know, that's a, there's a bully tactic right there. I might not have a job. I also discovered that HR worked for the company. And I don't mean that it didn't work for the employees too, but when push comes to shove, HR is to protect the company. Make sure there's no lawsuits. Make sure everything's okay and everyone's okay. But the, I want to say the ulterior motive. There is a motive. HR exists and it's to keep safety, but it's so the company's safe. And so when things are going wrong, they do get reports, but it isn't like they keep that confidential. They, you know, might in a case or two, but, you know, it's their job to roll up even the most confidential piece of information. Even if you walked in and sat down and cried and said, this is a personal issue. It's got nothing to do with work and there's a horrible thing happened to me. You know, I can't even function today. You know, it's still HR's responsibility to now probably go tell somebody that somebody might be in pain or might have a medical dilemma that they're facing in the organization. And I will tell you that I had more, more than one time, let's leave it at that, <laughs> more than one time that I personally went to HR for something, for myself, and certainly for my team. And I will also tell you, it, it wasn't super direct, but it wasn't um, subtle either. that there was a punishment. A punishment happened to me and or my team having done that. So... Who can you trust? How do you know? You know what, do you, what do you do with that? And I want to really just stop right there because we'll talk more about that a little bit later. What's another option? But I want to say that I just have to say this out loud and sort of call it out to the world. I have a real problem with the fact that we say something like this. If you're coming to work, leave your personal issues at home. You know, you're here to work for the day, you're getting paid, your time is valuable, we are paying you for it, leave your personal issues at home, don't be on the phone, don't be distracted. You've heard it all, right? So my answer to that is, what? And if I was gutsy enough to drop an F-bomb, it would be what the, but you can just fill that in for yourself. What does that even mean? So... If you have an illness or if you are in the middle of divorce or a custody battle, maybe your parents are experiencing ailing and moving in with you or just one of your parents has Alzheimer's or you're in a huge fight with your best friend or your relative just got diagnosed with cancer or your child is in trouble. Your young child, maybe it's a teen child you haven't heard from for days. So then all of a sudden you're getting these calls at work. Your teen calls you and you haven't heard from them. You get a diagnosis. Your parents walking on the street because they don't know where they are you have to take a break and go take your meds for your illness. Which, which of those were we supposed to leave at home? Which of those were not supposed to fit in? <laughs> what? So I'm asking that, I, I'm asking for us to acknowledge we are far, far more healthy. If we're allowed to be whole, that's the wholeism movement. You know, we're not meant to be divided as human beings by heart and soul and spirit. Oh, and yeah, logistics too. You know, in my mind, that's a bit of madness going on. So we get to work, though, and there are these rules, and they do apply, but they're not realistic. And I say that because they're not tangible. It's not possible to really follow those rules. So then if they're not tangible, it creates a culture of fear and competition, state of feeling stuck. You don't know what to do, or you're not appreciated, or someone can't understand your predicament. You begin to lose your identity, and you ultimately will lose your health you can certainly be crushed in situations like that. I want to read a, a couple quotes and then introduce our guest. One quote was to do with just the loss of a job. The loss of a job can be devastating, and putting in, it, that puts employed workers at risk for physical illness, marital strain, anxiety, depression, even suicide. Loss of a job affects every part of life. From what time you get in the morning, what time you get up, who you see, what you can afford to do, until you make a transition to the new position, the the stress remains chronic. But it also says that workers are experiencing at every level an increased tension and uncertainty in the jobs they do have now. And so they're all updating their resumes, getting ready to lose their job. One key thing that, that that I read, this is all from the American Psychological Association, uh, Lyle Miller, PhD, Alma Dell Smith, PhD. A feeling of empower and powerlessness is a universal cause of job stress. When you feel powerless, you're prey to depressions, traveling companions, helplessness, and hopelessness. You don't alter or avoid the situation because you feel nothing can be done. So, those are some key things. I guess I'm going to just hit you with one more quickie, which is because it really, really resonates for so many about being um, a square peg when your job's a round hole. It basically says if you're the proverbial square peg and your job is a round hole, job stress hurts your productivity and it takes a serious toll on your mind and body. So those are just key things to think about. And, um I want to move that by saying that we today have on the show with us a guest, Karen Sweet. And, you know, I really am so proud of anyone that gets up and tells a story and is brave and talks through what might have been pain and suffering or a struggle. We all try to look like everything's just perfect, but it's not. And we've all been through a lot. Karen is a top performing, highly revered executive in Silicon Valley. She has built a stellar reputation in her performance with her connections and the level of respect that she has is honestly it's been earned for years and she's just I mean she is seriously this well-known gal and she is in demand I've witnessed this and it's really my honor to know her and I really want to thank you Karen for being on the show and to be willing to tell a brave story today that can help others grow or heal.
3: Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me on the Illuminating Now series. I'm definitely excited to share my story so that others who may have gone through something like I did or may currently be going through something like I did can know they're not alone and actually um, you can come out the other side of this hole and healthy and happy. So just quickly, a little bit about me. I've been, um, as you mentioned, uh, in the high-tech industry and I've been in that industry for about 25 years. So I really grew up with it. It's very fast-paced. It's highly pressurized, um, but it's filled with huge opportunities. Um, in 25 years, I've been amazed and privileged to be part of an industry that's literally revolutionized business and really the way we live. In fact, if you think about it, 25 years ago, the idea that stories like mine could be shared and made accessible to help millions on an Internet radio show was kind of inconceivable. And really now we can get information instantaneously all the time, 24 by 7, whether we're in our jammies, and our ball gowns, at work, at home, in the car. <laughs> so really? I'm really proud to have been part of that industry and, and, you know, my role in helping make some of those things a reality. That's
2: that's so fantastic. We're going to take a break in a minute. But what you just said, I mean, it's so powerful. And and I can hear your passion. And that's what I love. And I hear that yeah. in you all the time. But, um, you know, just what your contribution's been and what you've been able to do. And again, just the excitement that you feel in being able to be a part of what this type of industry has been and continues to be and continues to offer the world so anyway it's key that we have you here we are going to take a break and and please note you're listening to illuminating now i am your host Lindsay levinson we're here with our guest karen sweet and we're on the variety channel at VoiceAmerica.com. so we will be right back and please please stay tuned in because we have a lot to offer on this show thanks
4: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. In today's society, there is just too much competition. Women are taking on the same roles as men, they're working side by side, competing for the same positions. What is happening? This is transferring to how men and women feel about each other and relationships. We're delaying marriages or not even getting married at all. It's time to go back to basics. Listen for this groundbreaking show with host Naftali Schwartz. But it's not really that groundbreaking. It's just a new way of looking at things. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety.
0: Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens.
1: are Tuned in to Illuminating Now Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l i n z i 244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now.
2: Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson, your host, and we are back with Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, and we've been talking to Karen Sweet, our guest. She was kind of going over the 25 years in this high-tech industry and what it is to grow up with it and be a part of it and watch it change and evolve, and she's... Offered up a lot of pride in having a role in this, and I mean, I noted her passion. You can hear it. So, Karen, tell me. With all this, so this is this is all good stuff. So then, what do you want to talk about today? Why are you here?
3: Yeah. So, um, about two years ago, I personally experienced um, exactly what you talked about in the beginning of the show—a crushing set of circumstances um, that I didn't anticipate that. Really shattered my sense of who I was, what I brought to the table in a workplace, and really all that I stood for both professionally and personally. And really, this happened literally at the hand of one person within the organization. So I had the pleasure of working for a very large tech company in the Silicon Valley for about seven years. And during that time, the company grew from 3,000 to over 10,000 employees. So, you know, I was there during
1: tremendous wow.
3: change, yeah. And when I took the job, I'm a working mother of two grade school children. So at the time I took the job, I actually purposely stepped out of a management role and took an individual contributor um, job so that I could, you know, manage the work-life balance thing. And um, even in that individual contributor role, I was managing very high visibility marketing programs. And this company was growing fast and furious, furiously. So you can imagine it was fast-paced, but very exciting. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. And, you know, in the job I had a lot of autonomy. I worked for a boss I loved. I was lauded year after year as a top performer because I loved the job and was given the tools to be successful. You know, the work was hard, but the personal satisfaction for me was immense. Um, during that time, over the course of the seven years, there were a lot of promotions and I ultimately end up managing a team of uh, eight people so By the time I left the company, I had a team of eight and There was huge satisfaction in that, even though I had purposely asked for an individual contributor role as I grew um, and, and gained a team, I really got satisfaction from that. Got great performance reviews. I was recognized by my peers as a manager to emulate. I managed a really ah. high performing team with, and I really did that with trust, inclusiveness, and my team was quite loyal, and, and the environment I was in allowed me t- to manage that way. Um, And I was working for a company who really valued a culture of respect, inclusiveness, and they strived very hard to foster individual satisfaction of their employees. In fact, this particular company was ranked in the Fortune Magazine top 10 best places to work globally for about seven or eight years. And during that time, they took the number one slot. So this is globally top company to work for. And it was great. It was a, a good fit and everything was fantastic.
2: So you're bringing your gifts to this job. You clearly are into it. You're getting promoted, which I can totally see the pleasure in having a team and with that reward. And I can hear your passion. So is there anything you didn't like about the job?
3: Well, you know, as a working mother, there was definitely a little bit of personal conflict, the usual stuff, work-life balance, I had a long commute, the hours tended to be long and, you know, could be highly pressurized at times, um, but my husband has a very flexible position, he's also in the Silicon Valley, but um, his job is flexible, so he took on a lot of the day-to-day household stuff, and I loved my job, and I was satisfied, and financially there was a lot of gain, so he was happy to, to sort of take over more of the things at home, um, so everything was good for the most part, but then things changed. Um, so a very well-respected vice president who I worked for left the company, and um, you know at that time, as often happens, they uh, the company elected to bring in someone from the outside uh, to replace this position. And immediately, I recognized that this person. Tended to manage from a place of negativity and fear. And
2: honestly, I might even go so far as to use the term bullying. Oh, okay. So bullying is a huge thing for me. In fact, I mentioned it in the earlier part of the show. I mean, I think it's damaging for life. But, um, yep. but I have my own feelings. But I have an article. Um, this is from Diamond Management Institute written by Bill Fields. But I'm just going to name a couple quotes because this is a trigger. Um, The effects of a boss being a bully in the work environment are both immediate and enduring. The initial impact is hurtful and demeaning to the recipient of the bullying. The employee will feel abused and will suffer a loss of faith. They are likely to become withdrawn. Other employees will also feel threatened. With a growing hesitancy to engage that boss, lest they do, they may be confronted by the bully. And the other part of this quote was that it said, the cumulative result is a demoralized workforce wherein problem solving, collaboration, and innovation will be stifled, if not extinguished altogether. Performance will pursue a depressing downward spiral. So I want you to go on, but is, does that resonate for you? Oh, and yeah. did that happen? Uh, and, okay, absolutely. So what, go on.
3: Yeah, yeah, tell me absolutely. more. Absolutely. For sure. So my, um, you know, I mentioned that, you know, I, I immediately noticed this. So I'll tell you a little bit about my first meeting with this person. So I was, uh, you know, and maybe in the first probably, I don't know, two to three weeks of her coming on board, I was given half an hour to go in and, and meet her. And I was really excited, you know, get to go in and meet the VP and, right. you know, in my best A game and, you know, some slides about all the great work that my team and I had done. And, I walked in the room, and, um, and again, this is the first time I've met her, and she said to me, I've heard many things about you. You're a fantastic employee. I see from your performance records you're a top performer. It looks like you're ready for promotion to the next level. But I've heard everything from that to you're frustrated and you're ready to quit. Which is it, or something to that effect? Oh my god! Yeah, and you know, frankly, I was taken a little aback. Um, yeah. I'd just been rated in the top five percent of the company for performance for the second year in a row, and um, had been, you know, awarded very substantial annual bonuses for performance. And it was concerning to me that you know, water cooler chatter, wherever this information she had, you know, brought into this conversation, where she garnered it, I don't know, was being brought into the mix along with, you know, a very um, systematically collected set of data on me, um, meaning my performance record, which is, you know, systematically collected, validated, and distributed by a very rigorous HR standard.
2: Right. I mean, and so you're at the water cooler, so now there's this double standard thing. There's this anecdotal gossip going on about what who you are or <laughs> what these little smart remarks are, but that's weighted maybe the same with the systematic process that somebody actually did create. I mean, it leaves you with a lot of mixed
4: messages.
3: That's right. Absolutely. And as a people manager myself, I was well aware of the process for annual, annual review and knew that you, know, you don't receive a top rating for performance just because your boss likes you. It's validated <laughs> right. at many levels. Wow, so so what'd you do? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what did I do with this? Well, in my usual way, I took it as a challenge, kind of rolled up my sleeves, left the 30 minute meeting, and Rolled up my sleeves and said, "Okay, you know, I'm gonna take this challenge." And you know, feeling like my record really stands for her for itself. I'm gonna, you know, she's gonna find out about me. She's gonna find out (laughs) which one of those it is. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. So, but the interesting thing was not long after I had that conversation with her, I was in with HR. So you mentioned the role of HR in the beginning. I was in with HR, having a a very separate conversation about some um, employee issues, Um, and. They, at the end of the meeting, stopped and, and asked me, hey, you know, so how do you like working for this new VP? We've heard some things that about her management style, and I thought that was interesting because um, obviously I was starting to see that, and, you know, so I sort of said, well, you know, she, she's certainly different than, than the person who she replaced and, you know, kind of coming up to speed on her work style, um, you know, but... Didn't really get into a lot of specifics, but I did find it interesting that they sort of opened the door to question me about this. So, right. um, you know, as I went about my in the course of my day, even though it was challenging dealing with her, I, I felt a little perspective, safe in my perspective of things because clearly I wasn't alone in sort of having this opinion of of this style. Um, as HR had indicated, you know, others were 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 um, were. Finding it to be difficult, and were you know they were openly sort of questioning me on my perspective. So things went on pretty well, but I definitely started to notice a pattern of open disrespect and uh, authoritarian behavior around me. Um, Not necessarily aimed at me particularly, but I could see the level of angst really brewing in the organization, which, mind you, was about four hundred people at the time. So it was a large organization. And then, you know, as that began to escalate, I noticed a lot of shouting in meetings, a lot of hallway chatter, people looking nervous, and, you know, people who were very high-functioning, high-performers were getting increasingly disgruntled, including myself.
2: Which is a lot, I mean, tremendous amount to endure because you, you've you got to manage your team still. You've still got to hold your own. And frankly, it sounds to me like you have to decode You know, you're in a decoding mode, figuring out what the heck's going on. That's right. Absolutely. It made managing a team very hard. The team
3: that reported to me could see, you know, the sort of level of BS building around them. Um, They could see a lot of unilateral decisions being made that didn't make sense in the bigger picture, um, decisions being made without regard to structure and processes that had been effective and critical to success in years prior. There was also a lot of sort of out with the old sentiment. Um, very successful programs being thrown by the wayside, and you know, and the people who owned them being thrown by the wayside. You know, people who had heretofore mm. been lauded for those programs were sort of now left feeling stale, old, and ineffective. And as a people manager myself, I could see that dismantling of very good work and people around me, and my employees knew it, and yet I was expected to keep people motivated all while the good work they were doing, you know, could potentially be ripped apart punitively and sometimes seemingly for personal gain. So
2: you, I mean you're highly revered <laughs> you've gotten ranked at the top of the charts you've been this well-known fantastic employee and then this person comes on and it just flips and yeah. and as fast as it can and while you're running a team and you have to figure out how to navigate through like I said what I'll call the decoding because you got to okay. <laughs> decode it somehow so i mean we're going to take a break because this God, the story is, you know, it's heartbreaking. And yet I don't even know where we're headed, but I can just so imagine how many people out there are listening thinking, oh my God, this is happening to me. So I, you know, I again really just want to give you props for being willing to even come this far and explain where you were and then what started happening to you. And For those of you out there listening, I do hope that if you have a story like this or something that's happening to you now or has happened, that you would write in and share it at the Lindsay, L-I-N-Z-I 244 at sbcglobal.net address. And, um, you know, we can talk further about it because sometimes these can trigger us and we want to talk more and keep on talking through it till we come to a better way. In the meantime, we're going to take a break. And you are listening to Illuminating Now. I'm your guest, Lindsay. Well, I'm actually your host, Lindsay Levinson. (laughs) Karen is our guest, Karen Sweet. And we will be right back. Please stay tuned.
4: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
5: in real estate stocks annuities and other investment vehicles that's the money answer show with jordan goodman on the voice america business channel every monday at 12 p.m pacific standard time being here with ariel and shia kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment this show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment don't miss being here tune in every wednesday at 9 a.m pacific 12 noon eastern with ariel and shia kane right here on the seventh
4: wave network very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world for more of these good stories and the people that are creating them tune in to bread for the journey with mariana cacciatore Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l-i-n-z-i-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now.
2: Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson. I'm your host here at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Our guest here today is Karen Sweet. And I'm going to be brief and let Karen get back into it. What we get out of this is things are changing. You're rolling up your sleeves. You're diving in, doing the best you can. But it's not easy because you're trying to decode these mixed messages that came in with this new person. So... I'll sort of leave it at that and say. So then, what happens?
3: Yeah. So as you can imagine, my level of stress increased um, dramatically, and um, you know, trying to deal with this every day, I started to really bring the woes of my day home. My spouse and kids were sick of hearing my "Oh my God, I need to tell you what happened today" Aww. stories, Aww. and uh, over and over. And frankly, I was getting pretty sick of telling them. Um, But I found myself really getting more and more overwhelmed, trying to be productive, trying to anticipate the next shift in strategy and direction, trying to keep a team and, frankly, myself motivated, all while becoming now a personal target of the bullying that was becoming a pervasive and accepted part of the culture of a company I had once really loved. The only thing that kept my sanity through this is that I had seen other people who were very well respected in the company go through this before me, so it wasn 't you know but just personal attacks against me it was you know going on all around me, and many of those people sadly left their jobs just to get away from it. Um, you know, and, and on a personal level, I was becoming someone I didn't really like anymore. I was tired, stressed, not thinking clearly, and at times, honestly, feeling like I was just gasping for air to survive. And ultimately, it culminated in a meeting, you know, as you get more and more stressed, your ability to handle it gets less and less. Um, and I was in a meeting where I just snapped. You just snapped. Yeah, so I snapped and, um, I just couldn't keep the stress inside anymore, and I lashed out in a meeting. And the funny thing is, you know, I was horrified at the time when it happened. And the funny uh-huh. thing is, when I when I look back, my version of lashing out was pretty mild by comparison. But yeah. it was was not a behavior that I had exhibited before, so it really took my employees aback. Yeah, and um, you know, made its way ultimately up the chain, and I was called on it by my manager. And again, being horrified myself, I decided to take take a few days off to collect myself. And um, took a couple of sick days. And my husband, who had increasingly been saying, you know, you're not yourself, you don't look healthy, you should go get a checkup. Now I have a few days off. He really encouraged me to go see the doctor um, during this time. Then I went in to get checked. And I was actually shocked when my blood pressure was taken and it was off the charts. I was someone who had always been extremely healthy with blood pressure on the low side, actually. And now I was facing life-threatening words like stroke, heart attack, vitals of a 70-year-old and a 45-year-old body. It was crazy, crazy to hear it. So I decided to take a few more days off to, uh, to regroup and, you know, really sort of, you know, the doctor report sort of forces you to take a step back and... And in seven years, I had taken virtually no sick time. In fact, I had stopped accruing it, and I was maxed at six weeks. So I, um, I took a few, day, few more days off and, uh, and took some time for myself.
2: I mean, thank God you did that. And, yeah, boy, that's, I bet that's resonating with a lot of people with those kind of diagnosis and the fear. So what, what happened when you returned?
3: Yeah, so what happened when I returned? So I returned and knew immediately that I was marked. Uh And I knew it from the minute I came back. Um, My staff would not look me in the eye. Um, This particular VP that I worked for was now very um, obviously and assertively going around me to my staff. Um, I was being left out of conversations and meetings. In meetings that I was included in on, I was continuing to now be very openly belittled, bullied, shushed in front of peers and subordinates. And now, all while facing newly discovered and very serious health issues that had been unearthed.
2: Right. So do you go to HR with this or how do you?
3: Well, that's exactly what I did. So in my naivete, I went to HR and, um, you know, hearkening back to conversations that I had had with them where they had been sort of openly questioning me about what it was like to work for this person. And again, feeling like I had sort of the safety of this impeccable performance record for seven years behind me, I had a pretty open conversation about some of the behavior And um, as it turned out, that was a huge mistake. Um, About one month after the conversation that I had with HR, I was called into a meeting where I was actually accused of having some pretty serious performance problems. Um, Those ranged from fostering negativity with my um, subordinates, not being a good uh, people manager anymore, and I was um, informed that I would be put on a performance plan that could lead to termination. I knew oh at that God. moment I was the next target to be pushed out, and there was nothing I could do to stop it.
2: Yeah, total setup. Total setup. Yeah. So, what did you do?
3: Well, leaning on what I thought was a pretty stellar reputation in the company, and remember, this is a 10,000-person company, so there's lots of places to go, I started networking within the company, feeling like I had still quite a lot to contribute and actually found a great opportunity in another area of the company, um, which ultimately was blocked by um, the folks that I worked for. And the (laughs) reason given was that this VP would have to bless the transfer And again, the culture of fear, no one wanted to deal with her.
2: Right. Right.
3: So as you can imagine, it was devastating, both mentally and physically. I really felt as though I had nowhere to go. And so um, within hours of hearing that my desire to move had been blocked, I completely fell apart. I literally remember feeling like I was breaking. And um, my family that evening rushed me to the doctor, and I was told I was very close to having a stroke and that my blood pressure was nearing fatal levels at that point. So my doctor immediately issued orders to take a six-month leave of absence, and honestly, I was devastated. I remember feeling absolutely empty inside. Um, Remember, I was someone who had not taken a sick day in seven years, and I was living in this world where you could barely take six minutes away from your job, let alone six months. And my identity and sense of who I was was so wrapped in my career, I literally was not sure who the person was that got sent home that day.
2: And so how did you handle the next few days? Because that's such a, like, you know, just a rock crushes your world and you don't know who you are. You don't know your identity. You don't know your title, your money, your your purpose. And right. what is, you know, how do you feel the next few days when you're sitting with that, but you are taking time off?
3: Yeah, well, it's funny. So I had just been told to step away from my job for six months because I was unhealthy and given this amazing chance to get back to health, and all I wanted to do was start thinking about looking for a new job because my entire being had been work, work, work for so long. I literally didn't know how to be a different person. So I, I really started to have to very progressively and proactively find ways to rediscover who I used to be. I, um, I love fresh air and outdoors, so I started walking a lot. After my health started to restore, the walking turned into running and long hikes. And then I also really needed to find a way to displace my energy. So I took up things like knitting and sewing. I needed to feel productive. And I was very productive. So I refinished the cabinets in my house and did a lot of projects. Um, But it was interesting to have to sort of displace that energy and put it somewhere. Um, But truly, one of the hardest things to deal with was having my network of people who I had spent the last seven years with, day in, day out, now be off limits and out of reach to me given the culture of fear that I had developed there, it was literally dangerous for them and me to be in any kind of contact.
2: Right, right. So And it was
3: hard. It was hard. Uh, I cried a lot. I felt a tremendous sense of loss. And then, of course, there was also a ton of anxiety that seven years of hard work was now shattered
2: and in ruins. You know, my reputation being in ruins which was it really I mean now now we're talking to you so we get to but because sometimes we think that's it we've lost all our connections our reputation everyone who thought anything well of us and then that's not how it pans out and yeah no
3: no in fact not at all so where are we today fantastic I'm working again nice yeah I ended up taking four months of that leave I really spent that time determining what I wanted for my life, my family, um, and myself. And ironically, I'm back in the corporate world, and I now work for literally one of the largest companies on the planet. It's a very hmm. exciting job, and probably an even bigger pressure cooker than the role I was in before. But so I having that choice. That, Yeah, so in having the opportunity to step away, I realized that my persona really thrives in working in that high-pressurized, fast-paced corporate environment, and um, I became very clear on who I am and who I'm not, and I learned an incredible lesson that fit of culture and respect for individuality mean everything to me. And in the experience that happened to me, it wasn't me that had changed. It was the culture around me. It didn't change anything about what I brought to the table. What had changed was a culture that simply didn't work for me anymore as a person. And that was okay.
2: Right. And so now what's the result for you.
3: Yeah, so I spent almost 18 months in a job trying to change who I was to fit a new model and left feeling like I didn't fit there and potentially wouldn't fit anywhere. And now I'm even stronger in my sense of self. Everything I brought to the table at that job, my approach, my convictions, who I am as a person, really stand even stronger today and i have such a sense of what i bring to the table, what kind of environment works for me, what i will put up with and what i will not. and it gives me such a sense of freedom. i no longer feel stuck and i no longer need, you know, have the need to feel the fight. if it's not a fit,
2: it's okay. it's okay and you take your great talents with you. oh that's that you know to me that's the epitome of empowerment. what you've just described, you not only took your power, but you actually reshaped it to form a better, safer, stronger you based on what you know. So that's, that's honestly delightful to hear, that yeah. you walk away with strong empowerment and a sense of yourself. And, yeah, and is there more yeah, to the you, story? Any, any updates well, on the story? You well, know, you
3: asked about that network of seven years, so I'm reconnected with them. It was not shattered, um, reconnected with all of my ex-employees. And as I've learned and really knew all along, I was a great manager, and I have been classified by some of them as the best they ever had. And uh, in fact, my network, I find so many people lauding me for having the bravery to step away and put myself first. And really quickly, here's the ultimate ending. So about six months after I departed the company, the VP who made my life so miserable and who tried to define me and make me something I was not and who took seven years of stellar performance and turned it into something ugly and punishable, was actually asked to leave the company. And the reason cited, she was not a good cultural fit. (laughs) So.
2: Oh, my God. Okay, that is, that's a classic place to end. So you're listening to Illuminating Now, and we will be right back. That's awesome.
4: Stimulating talk gets
5: those synapses in your brain firing really fast.
4: All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network.
0: Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris, Real Talk on Business and Parenthood. Hosted by Chris Efesiu, Chris is the portrait of the success story, coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses, while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety.
4: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: You are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l-i-n-z-i-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now.
2: Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson, your host at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. We're on the Variety Channel. We're on voiceamerica.com. We've been listening to Karen Sweet, who has been our guest today. And I am so appreciative that Karen shared her story. Um, it, It certainly is a part of my story. I resonate well with a lot of what she said, and I think parts of probably every one of you out there there's a part that you're resonating with now or have in your lifetime. So as we talk about this show is to try to find better ways and people that are brave and can come forward and tell a story and help us see that you can come out the other side is really precious. So Karen, thank you so much. Thank you so
3: much for having me. I I really appreciate the opportunity to tell my story and hope that other people who go through similar things um, will know you can come out the other side and be whole and healthy and happy
2: yeah, that's the most important message you can give. And, and I really do hope people hear her saying that because, you know, that's that's the critical part. It, it can get better and sometimes you have to fight for yourself or get out. But there's a better way and, and never, ever put up with a bully. And and Karen, I know you'll still be on through the show, but I wanted to make sure and get that thank you. And I want to read a quote, and, and I may have read this prior. You know, this is, I did find it very recently, but it's um, Psychology Trends to Watch in 2014 and I just want to reiterate back to the business on this piece just to, um, to, to close up that this says a growing subset in the field is involved in industrial and organizational psychology and many practitioners are starting to work as consultants for businesses. The global marketplace grows more and more competitive and many companies are turning attention inward in an effort to retain top talent, streamline processes and increase profits and market share. The focus of an organizational psychologist is to contribute to an organization's success by improving performance, satisfaction, and, key on this, well-being of the employees. (laughs) That's key. It says even the U.S. government is getting in on the action, and according to the Washington Post, branches that have hired organizational psychologists include Department of Homeland Security, Health and Human Services, Environmental Protection Agency, Office of Personal Management, and even the Department of the State. So it's, it's becoming pretty understood that, again, a high-level strategist to study it, is, it, it can be vital. And I take that to where I'm headed with this, which is a Lindsay Life secret. And it's also part of the work I did in my PhD program. Because to go into a PhD program and work, you, you know, much of what they want is what they call the gap. And the gap is, you know, is there an idea that could be in the world but isn't yet? A place where one thing works and another thing works, but in the middle, it's all fronted up and you can't get the whole working program going. So I did do qualitative and quantitative and mixed method um, research in this program to prove a theory that I had. And I believe it's a provable theory based on what I came up with, and I want to talk to you about it. And it's essentially a coach on campus. And what I really mean by that is that every employee needs an advocate. Because what I talked about in the beginning of the show is that you're living with your life, right? Life. What we talked about on the very first show. I'm a life coach. We deal with life. And life hits us. And we cannot chop ourselves into pieces and leave the, again, medicines at the door, the sick child story on the porch, the ailing parent walking around the streets in the car. i we can't leave these in different places, and finally, when we get to work, it's all behind us, and we can just get to work. I mean, we, so what we need is to be able to just talk to someone. It doesn't mean all day. It's just hourly appointments, and it can, the person can be on-site or off-site. I think on-site is key for a lot of this, but certainly, um, you know, to be able to contact someone online is very possible. And the employees, you have to understand, with, with, HR is not that advocate. I cannot say they wouldn't advocate for you. I just can say that you can't be sure what you're walking into by telling HR your personal stuff, whether it is the president of the company is sexually harassing me, who do you think is going to win that, you or the president, um, or it's your own personal, you know, I'm being abused at home. It does, so, I mean, I'm just saying, you, you, these are all personal stories, but I'm not sure you win by delivering it at HR's doorstep. And that's not their fault. They have responsibilities to have to handle things to protect the company. But be aware that an advocate I'm talking about, it allows a person to be their integrative self. So that means their full being. That's their personal problems. That's their job issues. That's their major crises. And sometimes... It's just goals and aspirations, right? Like, sometimes you just want to talk to someone. I'm in this job. I I don't know if it's the right job. It's not terrible. But is there anything you think might be better? And remember, the coach isn't there. They're not the expert to tell you what jobs are open. And and if you go in there to cry that you have to fight for a custody battle at lunchtime and go to court, they're not your divorce attorney. They're just there to hear you be your human self and to help you hold it together to give you some strength on how to see something maybe a little different so you can get through the day. And I believe, you know, and this is really true, and and this is part of some of what I did in my PhD work, is to say this sentence. I believe keeping employees healthy is the best strategy to make a company wealthy. I believe, and the reason I'm saying that is we're we're so stuck on Excel spreadsheets and ROIs and profit margins, and all of that kind of paperwork, that it becomes troubling that we forget that the productivity and passion and capabilities are exponentially grown when you get a deliverable from a happy employee. If your employee's happy, what they delivered turned up the volume a million percent, and no one even knows quite how. So the coach on site allows for the strengthening of employee health at all times. And then, without giving details, because again, HR, it's a different relationship. They are to give the details of things that they're told if it's gonna put the company in danger. But the coach's job is not to go and say, Jane Doe told me this about Joe Schmo, you know. It's to study the culture. It's to say, gee, a lot of people are coming in here feeling sexually harassed. A lot of people are feeling like they're not motivated. A lot of people seem to be bullied by a couple individuals. They study the stories, and the stories are individuals, so this coach gives strength to these individuals so they can get through their own situation, so they get back out there and play their A game. But at the same time, they study it and are able to roll up a strategy of which they can deliver to high-level players at a company and owner, C-levels, of management, and talk about the utilization for employee resources and make a recommendation for change. So, you know, when I ended the last show last week, I said, you know, everybody's so happy to go home Friday. That's like, good news, it's Friday, we're all going home, yay. And I said, could there be a world where people might be sad on Fridays? And I, told, I ended the show by saying, I think maybe so. If you had an advocate at work all week and you could talk to them about anything, It might not be so easy to go home on Friday. Think about that. You're going home to your stressors. I'm not saying home's not a good life, but there's always stress and things come up and you open the mail and you got to figure stuff out and you start to miss the person who you made appointments with who just talked through anything that was throwing you a curve. So I think you would do better at work. You'd be more excited to go to work. You'd have higher self-esteem at work and find more health if a coach was there to see you through what otherwise could turn into sad or isolating situations without support. I want to just say if any company, any individual, any C-level, any manager wants to contact me about putting together a strategy like this, working on site, studying your corporation for a bit, or even doing motivational speaking to your employees just to help them get through the day by doing some motivational speaking at lunch, I'm totally up for it. So please contact me on the Lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. Or on qualityforlifecoaching.com Please join us next week We will listen to the wisdom of Michael Brabant Integral awakening coach Evolutionary consultant And he's also an emerging teacher Of both relational and spiritual practice And even collective awakening Those are all big words New ways of thinking But this man is astounding in what he is able to lay out and how he's able to explain. He's finishing his PhD in psychology and he will share new ways that human beings can come together and find true, authentic wellness and find health and find ways to communicate that allow for, again, genuine truth to be allowed in this world and I can only say that it will be so worth the listen. He's on March 12th, next week, and we look forward to seeing you there. Karen, thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're welcome. This is Lindsay Levinson. I'm your host. You're at Illuminating Now, and we will really look forward to seeing you tune in next week, March 12th. Thanks so much for listening.
1: for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week!